All right, we're going to uh, switch things up on today, but not really. <laughs> um, we're pretty much done talking about the orphan spirit um, along that line, but we're still going to talk about the orphan spirit from another area. And uh, I really thought that the, the series turned out really to be spirit of adoption, but the father know what he's doing, so I ain't questioning that. But starting this series, we're going to talk um, about healing the orphan spirit. All right, healing the orphan spirit. And the title of the series is The Healing Bomb for the Orphan Spirit. The Healing Bomb for the Orphan Spirit. Now, this particular teaching will be dealing with deliverance, and this will be part one. Uh, I think my wife is going to minister with the next couple with me, but um, this is going to be part one. And all we're going to pretty much do is we're going to point out scriptures that you need to focus on in order to heal the orphan. All right. Because if you're trying to heal the orphan spirit, you don't need to be reading the Old Testament. I'm just telling you. You don't need to be reading the Old Testament. All right? You have to have a certain understanding of Scripture. Now, I have some notes I want to read. Many people are suffering from the orphan spirit. Now, what is the orphan spirit? It is Satan himself. When Satan got kicked out of heaven, he made up in his mind. Are we recording? Amen. All right. Just make <laughs> a lot went on. So you have to make sure um, when he got kicked out of heaven, he made it his personal mission to make sure that each one of you would never have a relationship with the father. It is his personal agenda for your lives that your destiny is destroyed and you never hear the father. That's why Jesus said, look, you don't want to listen to strange voices. Now, strange mean it's not a part of the family. Satan is the orphan spirit. His way of thinking will always disconnect you from the father. All right. Now, people with an orphan spirit usually have a lifelong wrestling match with feelings of depression, rejection, and low self-esteem. They find it difficult to believe that they can truly be loved by anyone, especially God. They are often manipulative, controlling, and problematic. They suffer from addictions, abuse, and failing relationships and fear getting them close and fear getting close to others because they might be rejected. So in return, they reject the other person first. I'm in the house. Okay. And they struggle to believe God's promises are for them. That's most of the church. They struggle to believe that the father would do all this stuff for them. And that's the crazy part about it, because the only reason why this Bible exists, this planet exists, is for you. And they wrestle to receive them for themselves. Now, healing the orphan spirit starts with understanding your new position, who you are in Christ, that you are in a new family. This relationship has to be built on that as the primary faith. The relationship has to be the primary faith. 
You can't just have faith that Jesus died on the cross. What do you do with that? How do you live just knowing Jesus died on the cross? Where does that position you because he died on the cross? It's the fact that he died on the cross and what you receive because he died on the cross is what should be your focus of attention. So for the next couple Sundays, we are going to focus on heavenly household remedies to remove the orphan spirit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the scriptures. I'm going to dig into the scriptures and I'm going to feed you soul truths about the father. That if you keep eating this food, if you keep eating this, if you keep taking these remedies, eventually your soul will go from orphan to son. That's the goal. That is the goal. Like I told you guys last week, if you show up at church and that's not the goal. So we're going to feed you these truths to heal your soul because Jesus told the disciples, you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. He didn't do a deliverance service. He didn't cast any spirits out of them. He just said simply, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Because you cannot cast the orphan spirit out like a demon. But the thing about the orphan spirit is if you don't lose it, you're constantly inviting demons. So you can get delivered, but if the orphan never gets moved, get, never moves out of you, you invite them back. By default, because of your actions, because of your thoughts, because their whole process of thinking has not been eliminated. Hmm. So it has to be cast out through community. It happens right here. You see what we just did with, with those young men? We're letting them know we're here for you. So in their mind, they will never say no man was ever there for us. You'll never have that excuse. <laughs> You'll never have that excuse. You'll never have the excuse you didn't have a father. You didn't have a mother. You'll never have that excuse. It is our job to make sure in our actions, our reactions, how we build our house home, how we build community, that the orphan spirit is expelled. It happens through community and it happens through teaching and preaching of the word. The word has to be taught in a certain manner because the Bible says faith comes by. So whatever you're listening to is building your faith. And if I'm just constantly preaching legalistic stuff to you, I'm just building you up to be one of the children of Israel. And ain't no promised land for you. So now what we have to do is to commit to the process of healing. You have to commit to community. You have to commit to the teaching and the preaching of the word. You cannot get better by not committing. It's personal. Each in the, each 
one of us individually need to commit to this process of healing. You have to want it out of you just as much as the preacher, just as much as the teacher, just as much as the person next to you. You have to want to get rid of it. Now, we all have the orphan spirit. This is why we tell you to practice righteousness. Because if you're praying, that's one tool to remove the orphan spirit. If you're fasting, if you're reading the word, putting the word in you, these are tools to remove the orphan spirit. That's why it's called practicing righteousness. You're practicing something so that you can eventually become it. You're practicing something so you can get better at it. Because if you pray but don't fast, you'll have a connection with God, but you'll be extremely carnal. If you pray, but you don't give, you'll have a prayer life, but your finances will come up short. (laughs) If you fast, but you don't do community, you'll kill some flesh, but you ain't been putting no word in you. Because you can't put the word in yourself. God set this thing up where you will never be able to raise yourself. You can learn some stuff, but you can't raise yourself. My son can read all the books he wants to, but it'll never replace daddy. It'll never replace mama. It'll never replace growing up in a safe, secure household. You can put information in you, and that's the problem with, the, with, with Christians. And they think we can just stay home, listen to YouTube, see this the issue. The problem with that is this. Every pastor has every ministry, okay, they have a, not only a hierarchy, but they have an educational system. And you may be listening to them, but, they, but that ministry started 15 years ago. So you're listening to the ministry 15 years later. It's like going to college and enrolling in college. And when you enroll, you don't start at the first semester. You start at the last semester. You're not going you're not getting everything. You're not getting everything. We all have the orphan spirit. It plagues us like sin. And the reason why, because it is Satan's nature. It is Satan's nature. And the fact that it is Satan's nature it becomes a nuisance to our spiritual life because that's the whole purpose of this. The whole purpose of this thing is so we can live a spiritual life. What's hindering us from living a spiritual life is the orphan spirit. It's the areas that we have not healed. So y'all ready to get into the word? I'm going to bring some scriptures to back up everything I've been saying because that's what you should do. (laughs) Jesus. So our first scripture Jeremiah 31 and 3. And it reads, the Lord appeared to him from afar saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, our father has an everlasting love. His love is eternal, meaning that he did not get his love from earth. He did not get his love from time and space. That's what we got our love from. He did not get his love from another family. His love is eternal, meaning that nothing in time and space can stop it. 
He says, therefore, I have drawn you, drawn you with loving kindness. So if he has an eternal love for you and he, and he can be nothing but love, then the only way he can call you into this family or draw you into this family. So it's as if he enticed you with love. <laughs> he enticed you with love. He didn't ask you to come into this family so you won't go to hell. That wasn't what it was for. Or y'all just want to be scared. So he says, therefore, I have drawn you with love and kindness. So the only invitation he has for you is uh, with, it has love attached to it. That's the whole thing behind John three sixteen, And we'll quote that scripture a million times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved. People who did not want him. <laughs> the world. God so loved. He was God all by himself in that position by himself, not having an answer to nobody, not being influenced or enticed by anybody. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, given is the law of harvest. So he gave his son because what? What did he want? Children. Okay. So God gave his son so he can get children. Am I, y'all with me? So God gave his son so he can be a father. It got, you have to see it like this. If you don't see it like this, you would think God gave his son. And if you don't respond, he going to send you to hell. That's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. That's not why it happened. Those may be the repercussions. If you don't come into the family, that's the other option. But that's not why. He so loved the world that he gave his only, only, letting you know how precious it was to him, how significant it was. It was his only. Who only got $100 in their pocket? Y'all ain't gonna fall for that, huh? You know how that is. You only got 100. Can I get that 100? I only got 100. If I give you this, I now have Nothing. So he gave us his son with a chance that he may get nothing in return. That's love. That's love. So he gave his son so that he can be a father. And he said, if you believe that this transaction took place, you will not perish. That's not just speaking about. Dying and going to hell, that's in every part of your life. Your relationships, in your finances, in your marriage, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. If you believe this, which means you rely on it, you depend on it, you follow through with it, you will not perish in no part of your life. But instead, he said, I'm going to give you everlasting life. This relationship starts by me drawing you with love and it never ends. This has to be your mindset. 
This has to be the mindset. When you read those scriptures, I told you, you have to read it as if you are in his household and you are having a conversation with him. And he's told you, look, I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son because I want you into my, in my family. You have to believe it like that. And I'll keep saying it over and over again because that's how you got religious. They kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. They kept ta- telling you about sin until your mind developed a fear. Until you began to walk on eggshells. Until you no longer had faith in God, but you now have fear. You have to continually put this stuff in you. You have to continually remind your soul. This is the only way you're going to heal. The orphan spirit can be healed because you can't cast it out. You can come up here and we can pray for you. We can dump this whole bottle of oil on you. It will not work. It ain't enough anointing. To remove the orphan spirit. It is a healing process because the only way that this can take place is it has to be replaced with the relationship. The love of our father has to be taught as the main ingredients of faith. The love of our father has to be taught as the main ingredients to faith. What happens to a cake if you take the egg out? It don't work. That's what faith does. That's what, how faith looks without you understanding that God is your father and that he so loved you. It just fall apart. You can say you got faith. Oh, I got faith. Watch for the situations and circumstances. <laughs> they going to tell on you. They going to tell. You can say what you want out your mouth that you have faith. Say it. See how easy it is? It's easy to say. It's when you get put in a situation and a circumstance is where that, watch this, it shows you if it's true or not. His love is the glue to the relationship. It's what removes the impurities of our heart, our mind, our soul. It is what removes the vulnerableness. The fact that I know that he would never leave me and forsake me is, should be a part of my faith. It has to be a part of your faith. If you walk into any situation, first of all, if you walk into any situation, the father should have sent you there. But regardless, even if you are in the wrong, if you walk into any situation and you don't trust him, then that lets you know that you don't have faith in this relationship. All right. Our next scripture, 1 John 4 and 16. Because, like I told you, we have to know that his love is eternal. We have to know that this relationship is eternal, and this has to be the glue. The relationship is the glue to your faith. You cannot say you have faith and you don't have a constant faith in this relationship. If you are not developing this relationship, then your faith is going opposite. I'm not talking about the relationship of us and God. I'm talking about the relationship of a father and a child. First John 4, 16. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. 
So we have to know intimately, not just knowledge. We have to know and believe the love that he has for us or for me. You have to make it personal. God can be love. What? He is. Oh, I have to make sure y'all paying attention. I slipped one in on you. Y'all be leaving here talking about some God can be love. Hold on. Pastor said God can be love. No, you weren't reading the scripture. God is love. Meaning you can't change that. You can't change that. He is love. That's why when he that's why what he wants for us, he wants us to become. Imitate me. I am love. Mm. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. So in the day of judgment, if you die today, in the day of judgment, you should be able to stand before him and know that there is no difference between you and Jesus. In the day of judgment, that should be your confidence. There is no difference. I'm a joint heir with him. I'm 100% your son. And that, but if it ain't like that on earth when you stand before him, you're not going to. Come on. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So watch this. Jesus was 100% human. Christ was 100% God. As he is, so are you in this world. So McKinley is 100% human, but that Christ in me, that Christ in me, that's 100% God. I don't lack nothing. I have exactly what Jesus had. Religious folks don't want to hear that. Exactly. You cannot be a joint heir with somebody and have something different. If Jesus is a son and then God made you a child, you have to have the same DNA. We can't have a different DNA. This is the confidence that you should have. We are not God's children physically. We are God's children spiritually. And this is what you have to wrap your head around because this is a new reality. Now you are part of the body of Christ. Why are you part of the body of Christ? Because that God in you is Christ. Now your life is hid in Christ with God. Now you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have to know that because sometimes you're weak and Christ is right there. (laughs) You're weak with a whole God in you. I got to use that whole thing. You know what I'm saying? You got an entire God in you, and you're saying you're weak. You got an entire God in you, and you're saying, I don't know. He wants us to have the confidence on earth. Right here, right now. This is the faith. 
Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they know you, the Father, and that you sent the Son. That's what eternal life is. So if you don't know the Father, you're not even participating in eternal life. Because the moment you were born again, eternal life started. You've been in eternal life. How long you been saved? Got to get my Kevin Hart. No. You in eternal life now. You're connected right now. Right now, you're seated in heavenly places. What you waiting on? You can get no more God in you than you have now. You can get no more God in you than you have now. Everything now is about you responding to the God in you. That's what healing the orphan spirit is about. Recognizing who you are and allowing your mind to be cultivated and walk that out. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. So our father, who is love, who gave his son so that we could become part of his family, so we would not perish, says that his perfect love cast out fear. His love is perfect, meaning it's complete. It ain't missing nothing. It's not a love that when you do good, I love you. When you reach your goal, I love you now. When you have good days, now I love you. This is perfect love. This is on your worst days. The love didn't change. On your worst days. When you were making a mistake, whether it was intentional or not. His love didn't change. That's why it says perfect love cast out fear. So now we have an objective here. <laughs> He's loving you to cast out. Because fear involves. Because fear involves punishment. Hallelujah. I got to make sure you get it. I'm teaching. I got I to gotta make sure you're getting it. <laughs> it's no good if you leave here and I catch you in the hallway and I say, fear. Okay. <laughs> you need to know. He's casting out fear because fear involves punishment. So if he does not get rid of the fear, you perpetually always feel like he's going to torment you. So this is the objective. Watch this. Let me finish the scripture. So the one who fears is not complete in love. So if you fear, that means you have not absorbed the love. The love is there, but you just have not absorbed it. You have not allowed his perfect love to do what it came to do. Teaching and preaching has to be delivered with perfect love. 
in order to drive out fear. If I come in here and I teach you the gospel of Moses, if I come in here and teach you that we're part of every covenant but the new one, This is where you stay stuck. So teaching and preaching has to be delivered with perfect love to drive out fear. The community atmosphere has to represent perfect love to drive out fear. If you make a mistake and you don't feel like you can come back here, where else do you go? Where do you go? If you're going through some stuff and, 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 and it's a spiritual matter and you need to talk to someone, why would you go outside of this community? Paul asked the church, he said, look, y'all got issues, I understand, but why are y'all bringing lawyers in from outside the church? Why, why are you, the children of God, the people who connected to heaven, bringing in people from outside of the community who are not connected to heaven? Why come you can't just take wrong or better yet, you be the judge? Because the Bible said we're going to judge angels. The Bible says we're going to judge the world. So what the father going to do is this. They're going to come, stand before him, and they're going to say, well, we didn't do this because of this, 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 this. And like the old school, so he's going to pop in the DVD and he's going to show Chris going through it, but still staying intact. He's going to show Dre grew up like this, but then he came out of it. We're judging the world now just by our actions. When we abide and we do what we're supposed to do, we give the world no excuse. Because we know somebody can do it. Verse 19. Now, actually, I wanted to do this, ver- this scripture in the CSB version, too. Because, all right, it says, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Now, casting out is the same thing, but I want you to see it drives out. So the way that we teach and preach the word here, what is it doing? It's driving out religion. The word has to be taught with that intention that you're doing this, teaching this, speaking in this manner in order to drive out. If I pre, if I uh, uh, prepare a message, the message better be to drive out the things that are not of God. It says because fear involves punishment so that so the one who fears is not complete in love. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. So he initiated love, agape. This ain't Eros. This ain't your Webster Dictionary version of love. This is agape. He's saying we love. Why? So if there's any love in you, it's because. So if there's no love in you, it's because you don't recognize he loved you first. Verse 
You can only love when you understand that he loved you first. That's the cycle of love. You cannot love until you first absorb and receive that he loves me. If you don't do it that way, you're going to be giving people the Webster Dictionary of Love. Which means I have affections for you. I have a certain uh, affinity for you, but it's only when you please in me. It's only when you make me happy. The love that he's asking us to have and imitate is a love that no matter what somebody do to you, that doesn't change. That's why I, be, I, I mess with my friends sometimes. I got a friend, he, uh, he's very political, and I asked him a question. Uh, we were talking about the election, and I asked him, I said, do you love, honor, and respect Donald Trump? He said, no. I said, well, then your, your ballot has been cast because of the wrong mindset. You should love, respect, and honor Donald Trump just as much as you did a Barack Obama. See, that don't sound good, do it? It don't sound, but that's what the Father says. If you don't, when you go to the ballot box, you made your decision based on hate. You cannot make decisions if hate is in you. You can never make a godly decision if hate is in you. You can never make a godly decision if dislike is in you. If I don't like you, my decision is already made about you. You can only love when you realize he loved you. And when you realize he loved you, you'll realize that the love he had for you was why you was tore up from the flow up. It wasn't when you got things together. I know we think God looking at Donald Trump like, ugh. No, he looking at you like, ugh. Donald Trump was a heart check for America. That's all it was. Can you hear me over what he's doing? Or you only hear what he's doing. You only hear what he's saying. Now, watch this. This is where it flips. Because the moment you take on that mindset, people treat you like that. Ooh. Is it resonating? <laughs> the moment you take on that mindset. The moment you look at somebody like, ugh, they're unlovable, then you start to see people look at you like, ugh, you're unlovable. Because you need to feel how you making people feel. <laughs> Whatever measure you judge with, it, same measure will be given to you. Keep your heart pure. Make excuses for people. <laughs> Be optimistic because it's your heart. He's asking us to imitate him, right? Am I right? So God so loved the world that he gave. So God so loved people who were not for him. Imitate me. 
Imitate me. Pray for those who use you. It's tough in here. Like Stephen Matthews, I know you want me to turn my plow. Dropping a seed in there. Because I want you to be blessed and he wants you to be blessed. But understand this, the char- heaven only responds to the character of Christ. That's it. The heaven, heaven does not respond because the fact somebody did something to you. Heaven looks at, okay, they did something to you, but how did you react to it? And you know why it looks at it like that? Because you're supposed to be a God. Because you are a God, human things shouldn't bother you. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. If you're wrestling with flesh and blood, it's because you're in the flesh. So he's letting you know, get out the flesh and get in the spirit because you don't need to be wrestling with that. Because while you're wrestling with that, you're missing something over here in the spirit. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to open doors, but you got a whole wrestling match going over there. He didn't say boxing. Well, you got some reach on him. No, wrestling. We locked up. You locked all up into it. (laughs) They get position, you take position. They get position, you take position. You're locked all into it. He's saying, look, let them go. Don't wrestle with that. It's too much other stuff. I'm trying to get you to build businesses, take care of your family. I got a bright future for you, and you wrestling with something. You wrestling with something that's not has nothing to do with your destiny. I don't usually carry a pair of scissors in my back pocket. Now, for y'all know what that means. Cutting people off. Now my friend back, I can't see him because of the light. <laughs> he raised his hand. Hey, boy, hey, he cut you off quick. You keep two pa- two, two pair of scissors in case you want one. <laughs> He's better now than we was, though. But he used to cut you off in a heartbeat. But nowadays, I'm cutting people off. I'm going to tell you why. Because of my assignment. It's because of my assignment. The people, Rodney, I used to wrestle with, I can't wrestle with them no more. Because of my assignment. I can't wrestle with you no more. I can't. For, I, got, I got an assignment. Wrestling with the assignment, I'm going to miss my plane. I'm going to miss my opportunity wrestling with this stuff. No. I don't think so. And then most of the people you're wrestling with, if you're like me, you're trying to get them free information and they don't even want it. You're trying to give them free information. They don't even want it. They don't want it. I had a brother text me the other day. He texted me in my uh, Facebook messenger, texted me and said, I don't know if I did anything to offend you, but such and such and such, you know, about with my siblings, they really need you at this time. I said, look, brother, I've been offering them stuff, offering them information that people now lining up to get. I've been trying to give y'all marital advice. Now we getting paid for it. I won't talk to you for free. <laughs> you missed the special. <laughs> you missed the buy one, get one free special. And now you won't know. 
Now I got people who want a good marriage and they want to talk. So no, I don't answer your call no more. Because you're no longer part of my assignment. You was practice. You didn't respond. So now I keep it moving. Don't get mad at me and say, now you acting shady. No, I'm not. I got stuff to do. You want you want to talk? 12 o'clock at Divine Generation Church. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be here on Wednesday. I am wellness. If you call up, make an appointment. I got you. But I'm not going out my way to give you free information. I'm trying to tell y'all something. Because rejection is what keeps us in the orphan spirit. You still looking for people that's going to believe in you. They let you know they don't. They're already letting you know. Their actions are telling you everything that you need to hear. Their actions are telling you everything you need to hear. They don't call you. They disrespectful to you. They slight you at every chance they get. They're letting you know. And the father is like, open your eyes. We make excuses for it. I still love them. I just don't have. (laughs) I love you. So, we have to intentionally drive out fear in order to heal the orphan spirit. And this can only be done by perfect love. Amen? All right, next set of scriptures. Just there for a minute. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. We're going to go through 30. It says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you hear the law? Mm. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of flesh. While the one by the free woman was born through the promise. That's us. Now, verse 24. These things are being taken figuratively. Now, anytime you hear, uh, we're going to do the whole thing on types and shadows and figurative language because anytime a story is figurative in scripture, that means it literally happened. It really happened. But there's spiritual content in there that explains our father world and you need to get it. So it happened, but it didn't happen for no reason. So so when when Sarah told Abraham, go ahead and allow a Hagar because I don't think the father gonna give me no child. God gonna give me a child. He went and did it had Ishmael, then God fulfilled the promise. Now he's using that to explain this is how the covenants work. One is done by flesh because they didn't trust, they had no faith. That's how Ishmael got here. He's saying, but Ishmael would never be a part of the lineage and the promise that I have. So it says this being, these things are being taken figuratively for the the women represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. So we're not trying to get to the physical Jerusalem. Nothing about this walk is 
physical. It's spiritual. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. That's a whole other teaching. If I go there, I won't stop. Verse 27, for it is written, rejoice, childless woman, able, unable to give birth. Oh, burst into song and shout, you are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many more numerous than those of the woman who has had a husband. Verse 28. Now, you too, talking about us, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. You have to meditate on that. I am a child of promise. Meaning, because I was born again, the promise belongs to me. It belongs to me. It's not a maybe. The promise belongs to me. This is the mindset that you have to have. The Bible said everybody in the Old Testament died having faith but never received a promise. The promise was never for them. It was for us. This is your father speaking. The promise is for you. Say the promise is for me. Now do you believe that? All right. Verse 29. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also is now. So Ishmael would mock Isaac. Now theologians said that he was sitting stuff on top of Isaac's head and taking a bow and shooting stuff off of it. That's what theologians said. But however, they mocked him. And we're, we, because of this walk we walk in, we are constantly mocked. When I was in the military, we started uh, uh, using our M16s, and I was praying over my, <laughs> and I'm like, Father, I want to learn how to shoot it, but I'll never want to use it. And the guy next to me heard me praying over that. And so we went to the range that day, and it was a terrible day at the range. I mean, I ain't hit nothing. I didn't hit nothing. When I tell you I missed everything, first day at the range, though, now come on, now I got better. Can't stop that. The guy next to me said this to me. He said, where's your God now? I was so hot. I was livid. And he was, he wasn't, so that made it even worse. And when he did that, I said to myself, the audacity for you just to say that to me like that. But I say that to say we're always being mocked for our faith. We got mocked about the election. Oh, I seen preachers on there. Oh, I thought God said Donald Trump was going to be. No, you misinterpreted, bro. God wanted him in a position. We didn't say he was going to make it happen because God can make nothing happen in earth. He can only speak to people and people do it. And that's the only way it's fulfilled. God, it is illegal for God to come into earth and do anything without man. 
That's who God wanted as president because the agenda. Jesus, here we go. Because the agenda had nothing to do with his actions. It had everything to do with what the father wanted to do behind the scene. Everything to do with that. So I'll tell you what we will be missing because he did not get in office. Because I know we big on Black Lives Matter and I love black people too. But that's the least thing on the table right now. It's the least thing on the table. And that's how they get us. By making us think it's about racism, making us think it's about the poor people. It has nothing to do with that. The number one objective on the menu right now is kidnap kids of every race. So while we screaming Black Lives Matters, kids, children of every race are being kidnapped. No agenda for that, right? The next one is human trafficking. That's happening to every race. And while we're marching and protesting just about black people, it's happening right behind, right under our nose. They're moving millions of people. The next thing is sex trafficking. Because you can, you can human traffic and not use them for sex, but you can use them for organ donations. They use them for slave labor. So now we have sex trafficking. And that ain't just women, that's men too. Men are being snatched and raped. Little boys, everything. The next thing is the porn industry. None of this stuff is on agenda. None of this stuff is on the political agenda. It was on God's agenda. And then the last thing, the fifth thing is the music industry. All these things are murdering our youth, are killing our youth. All these things are dragging our country through the mud and and no political agenda for it. Why? Because there'll never be a political agenda. Because once you start pointing these fingers at them, they got to answer the people. Because the government, the one doing it. Just like the government was the one that bought cocaine. So you mean to tell me you bought cocaine into the neighborhoods, then you built rehab centers. So you brought cocaine into the country, brought into neighborhoods, then the people got hooked, and you hired people and put them for the rehab. So you're running both sides of the show. And then you hire cops to bust. But you brought the drugs in. So you bring the drugs in, hire the cops to arrest people, and then and you control the rehabs. We blind. We don't see what God sees. We don't see what our father sees. All right, I'm back. That's how they're mocking us. Like I told you, they done relegated Christians to a gospel genre. They take over music. They give you a little genre. Sing about Jesus. Talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't do no more than that. Put yourself under this genre. The first shall be last. It's our turn. 
See, we gave them leeway so they can understand that we could have dominated you the whole time. So when we pull it back, they're going to see how the dominion works. That's when he said every knee going to bow. Every tongue going to confess, but you can't be scared. You can't be scared. Do your music. If it ain't against the Father, it's for the Father. You don't have to talk about Jesus. You don't have to talk about the Holy Spirit. No, you don't have to talk about the kingdom of God. Just do music. Music is an art. Now, if God calls you to do that, do it. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I always tell artists here, do both. We need love music with some real spiritual substance behind it. We need some love music with some agape attached to it. Yeah. Verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son. For the son of the slave would never be co-heirs with the son of the free woman. So, teaching and preaching has to be able to drive out the law and the slave. That's what the scripture said. Drive out the slave and her son. How do we do that? Teaching and preaching. I have to let you know. We are not under the law. You have any preachers I've argued with that about? How are we not under the law? What do you mean? What are we arguing about? It says we no, no, no longer under the law. I told one brother that he said, well, I don't trust Paul. He used to kill Christians. So Paul said we're not under the law, but we're under grace. But you don't trust him, but you trust the Old Testament. It's a scripture in the Bible. I'm never going to use it. But it says when a fool opens his mouth, they deserve a slap. It's in Proverbs.